Hey guys, this is Mike and Paige. We are college sweethearts. Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> Living just outside Nashville in a little town called Laverne. Laverne. It's Laverne. Uh, we have four uh, beautiful children. We are um, cute. Yeah. And my wife and I, we love a good podcast. And we also love a really good story. So we thought, let's put those two things together. And that's what we came up with. Guys, this is Laugh So You Don't Cry. Guys, I like to say that I'm looking at this metal detector that Mike begged me for for weeks, months maybe, and he still hasn't metal detect. So I just would like to put this out there that if Mike does not metal detect in the next week, I get to send it back to Amazon. Uh, this is the deal. I, I, I would, have spoken. I would. I have lo- spoken. <laughs> I would. I would love to detect, but I spend most of my time detecting a paycheck into our bank account. So <laughs> making um, sure you make that pay. The p- you know p- what, p- though, paper. guys? I think she just gave me permission. I I, I hereby resign from my current job <laughs> and become a full time metal detector. So okay. look for me on the beaches, y'all. <laughs> I'll be that guy who's way too tan and wearing dirty flip flops. Going through your bag. Because <laughs> I found... It's beeping. Because <laughs> I found an iPad. This thing is amazing. It's in someone's bag. <laughs> All right. Today, um, this story, this opener, Mike still has PTSD from. Like, he, every time it is referenced, he is like, I will never. So, Mike and I... I especially love vacationing for like, let's see how cheap we can do it. Let's decide we're going to go somewhere tomorrow and like, let's do it so, so cheap. So we were young and married for maybe like four years and we had no money, no money. We had one kid at the time? We had both, Zayo and Memphis. So we... Mike actually found this. There was an advertisement. I think he found yeah. it on Facebook or something. It was like, which, I, which I still get phone calls for. Oh, from the great. same company. Yeah. So um, it was like a water park company or yeah, something. It was like a that. it was a f- two night stay mm-hmm. and a one free day pass for a water park. For like, f- maybe it was two water park passes. Either way, it doesn't matter. It wasn't worth it. But go on to exactly. <laughs> So it could have been like, a week stay in vacation in Disney, and I still would not do it again. Oh, I would totally do it again. <laughs> you go do it. So as we read the fine print, it was like two days and a f- two free water park passes um, for $79 in Gatlinburg, which is a, it's like a chintzy little town, three hours, four hours If you hours don't know what Gatlinburg house. is, go find a different podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> so anyways, a lot of people vacation there. Yeah, fun money in my From pocket. Nashville. Hey. <laughs> I, just found, I just found cash in my pocket. Is it $5? Did you literally just find it's $5? $7. Oh, well, less fun. So anyways, I we went on this vacation. Mike found it. He booked it. And the, the stipulation was we you had... had to sit through a presentation. Yep. Sit through a presentation. So we spend the night there. First of all, first of all, um, I love a good gas station Coke. And there's this gas station right next to the hotel they were staying, in. and the hotel was fine. Oh, and it came with like free breakfast too. At a at a pancake, pancake house, yeah, pancake house. Which in Gatlinburg, there's like a thousand pancake places, and they're all amazing. And 
We got the gas station Coke, whatever. That night, neither one of us could sleep. We were like tossing and turning. We had a huge stomach bowel issues, like tearing up the toilet every couple of hours. Yep. Whatever. Gas station Coke. Well, we didn't discover until the second day <laughs> that we got it again. And then again, same thing happened. We are like, oh my gosh, I think it's the gas station. <laughs> Gross. But anyways... So I think the second day is when we had our little presentation. So we go to the presentation, and it's at a timeshare. Yeah. And it said, you know, free breakfast. So we go and eat the breakfast. And the guy, like, uh, we're assigned a person to do this timeshare with. Yeah. And the guy sits down with us as we are eating breakfast. Okay. Mind you, we have a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Guys, Breakfast ain't fun for nobody Listen, at any time. Th- it's like the, the most awkward situation to be in because I'm trying to feed my kids. And we're trying cereal. To, we're, we're trying to eat breakfast at <laughs> 7 in the morning. Was it that early? It was that early. And this guy who we've never met before is sitting at a four-person table with us watching us eat. And he's not eating with us. No. He's just sitting there trying to make conversation. And at that point, he's like, you know, we do have childcare. And he like met, like, um, gestures over to this corner booth where they have like a teenage guy who does not seem safe at all, like hanging out with another kid, drawing and playing Legos. And I'm like, I have a two year old who's not going (laughs) to draw and sit nicely and like play, and a six month old. For sure, no. And uh, and then one of the kids decides to crap themselves in the middle of this thing, and Paige leaves me with this guy and the baby. It was Zayo. Yeah. <laughs> it was Zayo, because I had the baby and this rando staring at me. Not staring. He was pitching you. Oh, he was trying like, to pitch you. Like, from yeah. the jump. So so we're we're in this hell. <laughs> and, and Paige is like... And so... <laughs> So first of all, I love to barter. Like I love a good, um, what am I trying to say? I love to haggle and I love bartering too, but I love haggling so much. So if you guys want to give us some some meat for some wolf pelts, let me know. I got a good lady who can barter with you. (laughs) You know what I mean. I love haggling so much. Like, it's my favorite. I went on an international trip in high school, and I, like, bartered my way down on lots of stuff. It was amazing. It was so fun. I wish that the United States did that. So, anyways, we <laughs> were in this situation, and he's, like, giving us all the prices of everything. Or no, no, no. He didn't say the price prices. Comes up, yeah. He's just like sharing all these things, like, and you can travel here, and you can travel here, like all the can, perks. Yeah, like you can trade and this in like, this. And then hold on, hold on. Here's so where we're at currently is a 15 minute walk from the place he's going to show us. So we have to hoof our children all the way to this room to a hotel room essentially like a small condo for him to show it to us how um, how amazing amazing this would be in addition we still have that gas station trots yeah yeah so i'm going to the bathroom every couple of minutes because i'm queasy i don't feel good i mike is convinced i'm pregnant he's like oh my gosh the only time that your stomach hurts is Mm -hmm. when you're pregnant Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. true Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
Except for food poisoning from (laughs) gas station Coke. So we go and tour this this condo, and he's like, show me all the amenities and how great it is, and look at that view and all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom again. Again. I said, I'm so sorry. Can I use the bathroom here? He's like, well, typically we don't allow people to use it. I was like, my... People are coming in all day to look at these. I am so sorry. And he was like, yeah, just... Go ahead, I guess. And oh, and, and and then come to find out, he's not a salesman. He owns one of them, and they. Oh no, no, no. he is a salesman who additionally owns who, one. Yes, but they they bring you in because they get money off theirs if they sell it to you. Right. Which, which I found that out. So even more pressure. So he's like, yeah, like um, my daughter's getting married in Ireland next year, and I don't even have to worry about a place to stay. I'm trading in my points for a place to stay here, and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I just pay $700 a month for my timeshare. So like, Guys, what? $700. I think it was more than that. Because we sit down finally, and they're like, all right, let's, start, let's sign some paperwork. Yeah. They don't ask you. They're like, let's, go, let's sign some paperwork. Let, let's look at your financials. And so we're like, guys, we are poorer than poor. Like I can't even explain to you how much I made. We- I made eleven fifty an yeah. hour when we went and did this. Yeah, and I think you watched kids inside of our home. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had just started Lularoe. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's right. We had just started this, so we so were super poor. Money was not a thing we were making at that point. He he's like, okay, so the you know we can start you off. It's thirty five thousand dollars, and we were like, no way, no way, yeah, thirty five grand. We were like, that's more than my husband makes at this point in our lives. We were like, if Mike can just make thirty five thousand oh dollars a year, we were like, come on, we, or thirty, come on. we said thirty. Thirty. If 30 you can just make number, thirty thousand yeah. a year, like we'll be set. We'll be set. We'll never need to make another penny. <laughs> yep. 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 Ooh, what we didn't know, but. <laughs> Then, um, then he like we keep going down, and down, and down, and down. We're like, no, no, and, no, and I think it went down to. And Mike's like uh, trying to agree with the guy so that we could get out of there. Yeah, He's like, like, we'll just sign the paperwork, like. And it had gotten down to maybe like um, it got down to it got down to seven grand. I remember, yeah, seven grand from thirty-five to seven. So that's the margin that they're making. First of all, yeah. Second, he's like, we can do like this, this is the lowest offer we can do. It's like seven grand. You get it every other year for a week, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm paying for seven grand for what? No way. Yeah. No. And I have no like, you know, meat in the matter. Like I could care less about this, but I'm also having a whole lot of fun haggling and like arguing with this guy. And I'm in my Mike own personal is sweating hell. bullets. Yeah. He's like, this is Horrendous. At one point, the guy was like, well, you're the one who came to us. Yeah. You made this oh, appointment. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I was, he like, was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm he done. was like, obviously, so there's something that you would like out of this. And Mike after was like, yeah, there is something I would like after this. I would like my free water park tickets, please. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, he didn't say that during the time. So... That is the fun story or not so fun story. We ended up walking out and the guy was like visibly upset and mad mad. at us. And we're like, no, we we don't want this. I have a friend who does it all the time for Disney tickets. Like she goes to Orlando, sits through these presentations, gets her Disney tickets and walk out. She's like, I have no problem saying no. No. Nope. No. Yep. And it makes me laugh every time because I think of Mike and he's like, I will never. So when you guys see that uh, that that ad on Facebook, don't click it <laughs> because I'm because it's been six years and I'm still getting phone calls probably once every three months. 
to come and Wyndham Wyndham Properties. Wyndham Wyndham. Oh my gosh! Screw you, Wyndham. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for sticking through our timeshare story. Um, so as you guys know, well, you should know. If you don't know, you got to catch up. Um, I'm a dad of four kids. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a almost one-year-old coming up on that. And I love being a dad. It's the hardest, best thing I've ever done. Um Actually, getting sober is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. But I would say this is the hardest thing that brings me the most joy. Um, Paige has her own opinion about me and fatherhood. Um, she I always, personally think he's yeah, the best she, dad. She always brags on me for that. But um, I do. I really love being a dad. It's just, it's the light of my life. It really is. Um, so this conversation is really hard because tonight we're going to talk about my dad. Um, and, I, and I've mentioned my dad a lot on here throughout, you know, throughout many of the many podcasts we've had. We should preface this with saying Mike has a spiritual father who has adopted him, mm-hmm. who <clears throat> he met in college. Yeah. And we talked to him and he is our kid's yeah. grandpa. He is. He is their grandpa. Yes. That is Gary Byer. Yeah. It's my dad, Gary. Um, um, but then there's his bio dad, and his bio dad, he's actually named after. Yeah, so be- I'm I'm actually Michael Anthony Guzman Jr. Y'all can call me JR if you want to. <laughs> I'm in the South now. We probably should start calling me JR. Yo, JR. Oh, my gosh. Guys at church, call me JR. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually only going to respond to JR from here on out, babe, just so you know. <laughs> um, Jays. <laughs> no, JR. JR. <laughs> I love it. So, so my dad, Michael. Um, he, just to preface everything about him, he grew up in a broken home. Um, his mom died when he was young as well, just like mine did. Uh, his dad, to my knowledge, was not a good dad. And so he kind of raised himself. Um, he was in and out of trouble, uh, in and out of jail a lot. Um, and the crazy thing about, so I, I, I know this man fairly well. But everything I know about my dad is secondhand. I've never, ever learned a single thing about him from him or from experience. It's all been stories. So I grew up with my mom and she passed when I was 13. And then, but so I have what she told me. I have what my sister told me and I have what my grandma and all my aunts and uncles have told me. Um, So it's, it's literally like putting together, you know, a puzzle for my entire life, trying to see the whole picture, you know, and I, and I can see the whole picture for the most part. So, um, but growing up without a dad was really hard. Um, my dad, when I was born, left when I was five weeks old and he never, ever came back. Um, and my understanding of it for years was that he left and chose to never come back. Um, I found out much later on probably in my 20s, that he did want to come, quote unquote, back. But it wasn't for me. It was for my mom. And my mom knew how poisonous he was. So she refused to let him have access in any kind of place in, in, in our lives. Um, which I wouldn't have understood as a kid. But right. I do as an adult understand that because she was protecting me and protecting herself. 
because he was a horribly toxic person. Um, yeah, so he left. And I think the only time he tried to come around was he brought his girlfriend to my mom's house to drop off a bunch of clothes for me. And my my grandma refused to let him come in. And that was the only time he tried to reach out. Were you home during that time? I was a baby. I was like um, like two months old, three months mm-hmm. old, something like that. So it was really early on. And this is, like I said, this is all secondhand. So um, so yeah, screwing up a lot of dad was, was rough. Uh, I didn't really know that I didn't have a dad. Um, like, obviously, like, you know, and then much, and it's like when you're a baby and you're a young boy, like you don't think like something's missing because if you don't know that it's not there. But then I would see kids as I got older in elementary school who had dads. You know, I would see kids getting dropped off and picked up. And I'd be at the park and I would see these older men playing with these kids. And, you know, I would hear kids reference like my dad. Mm-hmm. And so I had all these questions that needed answering. Basically, like, do I have a dad? <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. And, so there's a moment like, do you remember the moment where you were like, wait, do I have one of those? Um, I think the moment it hit home was um my sister had my sister there was a a family activity night at my elementary school and parents were supposed to bring their kids and like play game you know games in the gym and Mm -hmm. eat snacks and you know stuff like that and um my mom was overweight and she worked a lot and so she was very tired so my sister took me um and i remember this like feeling that I had that I didn't understand, but it just was sorrow. Mm. How old do you think you were? Uh, I think I was in the third grade, fourth grade. Mm. Wow. Um, so that's when I remember I started asking questions about, about my dad to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really wouldn't tell me a whole lot. You know? Do you think that's because there wasn't a lot to say that was good? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like her protecting you from, yeah. from that? Um, you know, we always tell Zayo, like, that's a really heavy thing to carry and you're not old enough to carry that yet. Yeah, for sure. sure. That's what was happening with your mom. Yeah. Um, so, you know, life just goes on. Like you don't, it's, it's, it's hard to miss something that you never had, you know? Right. Um, You're missing what you imagine, but you don't know the full weight of it. Yeah. And, and like, I would be jealous of you know, kids with dads, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't know it was jealousy. It's like all these things were going on. Like, as an adult now, I'm look, looking back and I'm like, oh man, look at all these emotions that I had. But as a kid, it just felt like chaos. I, I can imagine that you'd been one of those teenagers that was like, well, at least you have a dad. Oh, I was a, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we're going to get to that. <laughs> That's <laughs> a whole lot. So, so elementary, you know, when, when gone by, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> So, do you guys have you ever seen the movie? It was oh, it's it's on Disney. It's the one with the the um, the dad who's like the just the legs and the the two brothers who try to summon him. Upward. Upward. Um, onward. Onward. That movie is really emotional, especially because the younger brother sees all the things that the older brother did for him because his dad mm. wasn't there for him. Right. That was my sister and my brother in law oh. and my uncles. 
they Aww. they taught me to do all those things and i you don't know those things until it's retro you are <laughs> like, in, you're like as an adult you're like oh i'm so grateful for all those things <laughs> um so elementary years came and went and then my mom passed away seventh grade going into eighth and um right around that time before she passed actually um i had found all these papers in a closet Mm. and they had my name on them and it was like a big old stack of them and they you're probably just focusing on it has my name yeah but well then i was focusing on the fact that i said like michael anthony guzman was found breaking and entering and possession and assault and like, I'm like, what? Like, I know these words. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my name. And so I took it to my mom and she was like, you, you weren't supposed to find these. These are your dad's police papers from years and years and years and years. And Was had, this police reports and papers from like when they were together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were 20 years before, 10 years before. Mm-hmm. And he had tried How to, long were they together? A while. I think at least like seven or eight years what yeah my sister was well for a couple of years at least for a couple of years because my sister always told me about that he was a really good dad to her Mm. because her dad wasn't around right my sister and i have different different dads (laughs) just to let everybody know that um but she always told me like he was a really good dad to me he just had his demons right um Yes, he did. <laughs> so, but I found all these papers and I'm like, mom, what the crap? What are all these? And so she just told me, she's like, your dad tried to th- hide them from me and throw them away. And these are the ones that I actually was able to get out of the trash. And, you know, I don't know why I kept them. I guess one day I wanted to show you. And I guess now is a good time to show you. And she just told me. She, and you're how old at this point? Uh, I, was, I think I was 11, wow. 10 or 11. Hmm. And so at that point I was like, well, I... I understand he was a bad person, so, okay, that's why he's not around, because he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. He's a drug drug dealer, drug addict, a bad, bad guy. Um, so then m- my mom passes away, middle school, um, and I just get angry. And so uh, I, I go into this um, this mentality of like, I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm just going to be a bad, bad person, just like my dad. Hmm. Like I, there's, so I'm just going to be like father, like son. And so I started dealing drugs, doing drugs, being a bad person. And that was kind of my thing. And I never, I never tried to find him. I never thought I could. And it never even like came across my mind to like try to find this person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I never, ever thought about like, does he miss me or anything like that? It was just like a ghost, like, Mm -hmm. you know? Someone I could emulate that I only knew about in books, you know. Um, so life, life went on in middle school. Like as you guys heard before, you know, like it was. If you guys following along, it was crazy. Um, and then I get to high school, and praise the Lord that I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and I accepted Jesus. And at this time in my life, you know, I'm living with my sister, and my brother-in-law. Uh, who I hate at the time <laughs> because I didn't know what family was. Right. Um, at this point, you know, all I had was my mom and my sister and aunts and uncles. And my mom had passed away. And so I didn't know the importance of family because my family life was not typical. And 
So I find Jesus, and along with that comes a lot of really good men who God put in my life. Um, one of them was my youth pastor, Aaron Hammers. Uh, he, he gave me a lot of attention. <laughs> he gave me, he probably gave me too much attention. Like, I, I, like, I, really, like, I really dominated a lot of his time, um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, in the four years that I knew Aaron very well, I think I made up for the lost time with my dad. Because we spent week every day together, and it was he taught me how to you know fix cars and read the Bible and the importance of tried to teach me the importance of money, <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> just all these things. And so the the hurt of not having a dad um, that healed up a little bit through that. Mm-hmm. So that that pain that I felt kind of went away, you know, or at least it was calloused over. You know, it was it was healed for the most part. At least I thought it was. Um, my brother-in-law did a good job of being uh, a dad to me as much as he could. You know, he was my brother-in-law. He was my sister's husband. You know. He um, tried really he, hard to he love tried, you. And he was young. He was 25. So he had no idea how to be a dad Listen, to a 13-year-old. Listen, if I had to be a 25-year-old to a 13-year-old, I'd be like... <laughs> yeah. No. It, awful. Awful. And I was a huge jerk to Casey on, a, on the regular. Um, at this age, too, I remember I, I spent a lot of time with my uncles, you know. Uh, they taught me a lot. They helped me a lot through that. And it's really crazy because the things that a dad is supposed to teach you, I just pieced together from other men, you oh, know. wow, yeah. My Uncle Bill was a handyman. And he could fix anything. And he would stop what he's doing to help you right. fix something, you know. I got my hands dirty. I busted my knuckles on so many bolts, helping him fix something and watching him fix something. My Uncle Ray was the cool black guy, you know, <laughs> so I, I, got, I got all my swagger from my Uncle Ray, um, for real. <laughs> I mean, I, I, had one of those, I had one of those leather Kango hats, you know. And, oh, man, you were in it to win I, it. And I wore it backwards when I was 12. Oh, man. Listen, listen. I, you were getting the ladies that way. I was trying. <laughs> Um, fun side story. I used to go to Skateland in Woodhaven. Oh, Skateland. And I would preemptively write my phone number on No, you did of, not, Mike. <laughs> on pieces of paper and put them in my wallet. No, I just put them out. Listen, I could have. And I put them in my wallet, Velcro, mind you, <laughs> and I would hand them out to girls. I mean, girls that, that, I, that I skated with. If you oh, had, did you hold hands and skate? Sometimes. Sometimes my first kiss happened at Skateland. You know, my first kiss said, you know exactly where, because you were there. <laughs> I was there. I was there. <laughs> Not baby, at Skateland. Baby, none of them kisses meant nothing before you. All right. <laughs> that feels so skeevy. Thanks, baby. <laughs> it is skeevy. It's okay. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, so back to your dad. So back to my dad. I know. So life just keeps going. Except for you have a big gaping hole in your heart. I do. I do. But I don't know that it's there, you know. <laughs> I'm just suppressing that mess. <laughs> I'm just, well, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense. Um, so after high school, I, I fell away from the Lord for a couple of years. Um, you know, wanted to and What did you my think about your oats. dad or did you address that during that time? Um, yes and no. It, I realized I had this anger inside me. 
Mm-hmm. I had this anger that my mom died. I had right. this anger that I never had a dad. I had this anger that um, life was unfair. Right. And I, looking back, all these gaps and all these little these things that were missing, um, they all lit up. And I was like, holy crap. I've been at a disadvantage my entire life Mm -hmm. because one person decided to make a choice to not be there for me. Screw that. Like, I was angry. Mm -hmm. I was mad. And even to this day, there are still times when, like, that that feeling comes over. Like, this this person made a choice that affected my life in its entirety. Mm. And it was was a poor choice that they made. And so I was... I was pissed. Right. Um, one thing I noticed that happened and and happened for years is that I would meet people with dads, which is a lot Everyone. of people, you yeah. know. Um, but the, especially the ones who were like really present dads, and it became this thing of like, there's some there's a difference between me and you. There's something that separates me and you. It's almost like you versus me. Um, and I became bitter towards a lot of people. And and like I just walked around with that constantly. You know, I would see these pe- these people like my friends. And I'm mind you, I'm like I was 19 when I graduated. 19 when I fell away from the Lord. So for three years and even before that, I would meet people with good dads and it just piss me off. And what even pissed me off even more is I would, as I had friends and people I would see who had good dads and they didn't appreciate it. Oh man, that drove me crazy. <laughs> like I, I would have friends in high school and it's like, they would treat their dads like crap and it would just make me so stinking mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cause you're like, I would die for I that. Would die. I w- Your dad just asked you if you wanted to go get a burger. Take me. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, you, know? you may not want a burger, but I sure as mess do. I don't, I don't want a burger. I just want to sit with you. Oh, babe. That yeah. makes me so sad. It, 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 the, the reality is it, it is sad. Um, the All of y'all that have dads that are really present in your life, please go and get a burger with them. The, the, um, so little Mikey can feel a little better. <laughs> and little Paigey. Um the affection that I missed out on mm. from not having a present dad. Like even those little hugs and the, oh, that look on your face. <laughs> Shut up. Like it's like you long for that. I, I still do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the great thing is, is that I have that now. Right. And I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But man, like when I reminisce, and let me, I use that word lightly, reminisce, you know. <laughs> not in a romantic um, or No, no it, it, it hurts. Um but instantly, I, I felt like everyone around me was at an advantage in life. Mm-hmm. And wow, I didn't have that. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was robbed from me. And so I was pissed. And like that like father-like-son thing, I mean, I dug into that hardcore. You know, like... What does that look like? He was a womanizer. I'll be a womanizer. Wow. He was a drug user. I'll be a drug user. He... He didn't care so much that whatever life brought at him, whatever, I can just leave. Was that your way of trying to be close to him, even though he wasn't physically close? Like a, a 
what I know about my dad, I'm just going to do. Maybe, um, like, even, like, subconscious. Like, he didn't know that you were trying to emulate him. I think, I mean, that could have been it. But I think it was just there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And I, it needs to be filled. And I need to feel like, and I have, I, 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 I missed out so long on feeling a connection with someone mm. that I, that I should have had. So something needs to feel that gap and that, that, that did it. Mm-hmm. It attempted to, you know, it's like, it just, um, the chaos made that emptiness feel much smaller. Mm-hmm. And so I just leaned into that chaos. Um, I made a lot of really poor choices doing that um the internet became a thing <laughs> when <laughs> oh and there it dates my well, no it, listen, in, in, uh, in middle schools when, when the internet really, came alive i remember using netscape um in middle school uh that was a web browser honey michael <laughs> yeah. um so when i was 21 i was like why don't i google this guy and so I literally had a pen, like a, pen, a pen and paper and I wrote down all these numbers and all these addresses for the same, you know, like whitepages.com. Here's the age. Here's the people that he's known to be with. And here's the phone number and known addresses. So I wrote them all down and I just call them. And a lot of them were. Stop. Yeah. A lot of them were disconnected numbers. A lot of them were like, you know, I'd be like, you know. Is this Michael Anthony Guzman? You know, and you know, like no, no, no. And finally, somebody picked up, and it was him. Mm. And I just listened, and I would call him every once in a while for about a year and just listen. And one What'd time, you say when you nothing. Um, How do you know that it was him? The first call because my uncle had his number written down somewhere mm-hmm. and I told him, you know, Hey, I've been trying to call my dad. And he was like, why would you try to do that? My uncle Bill had his number written down somewhere and he's like, yep, that's his number. And so I started, which the smart thing would have been going to ask my family, Hey, anybody <laughs> have his number, Right. <laughs> you know, um, or know where he lives. What do you think your goal in calling him and just listening was? I don't know. I really don't. I think it was just a, uh, casting a really wide net and hoping that I caught something, you know. Best case scenario, what would you have wanted him to say to you? I miss you. I'm sorry. Mm. I would love to meet you. Mm. But instead, you just, like, probably paralyzed in fear. Fear and anger. Mm. Um, so one time, though... Um, a lady picked up and she goes, we know who this is. And I was like, and I, so I talked back and I was like, oh yeah, well, who the hell is it? And she goes, it's Mike's son, Mike. And I hung Whoa. up the, and, I, and I hung up the phone and I don't, I don't really remember how that, pro, how that progressed, like how that got to that point where they like, she, Do you think they, Uncle Bill told? I don't know. No, because Uncle Bill doesn't seem like a rat. He's not. Oh, no, no. Um, so I, I'm in the garage with my Uncle Bill and John, John, our neighbor, and we're working on my truck. And I told my Uncle Bill, I said, so I've been calling my dad. 
And he was like, why would you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. And he's had a couple of beers at this point. Um, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, give me your phone. Let me see. And he's like, yeah, that's his number. And so he called him while we're standing there. Didn't expect him to do that. And he was like, you know, hey, yeah, it's Bill. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got, I've got Mike right here, yeah. I've got Mikey right here because all my family calls me Mikey. And <laughs> he hands me the phone. And I'm on, now I'm on the spot. Right. You know, now he knows this is my number. Now he knows that I know his number. And now that, it, you know, like. And for, the depths of you wants him to say, I love you. I miss you. I'm sorry. Hey, buddy. I'm so sorry. I know it's been years. I, ha- I, have, I have a reason why I haven't reached out in the past 21 years. Here it is, <laughs> you know, like something. Um, so I get the phone from Uncle Bill and I am just red hot. Mm-hmm. I, I p- Probably the hottest I've ever been in my entire life. And he goes, hey, he's like, I figured that was you calling. And he goes, and I can't remember what he said. Before that, but I remember I want, I wanted him to know how I felt. Mm-hmm. Like if if of course if, you did. If, if if we if I was going to achieve one thing in that moment, it was going to be that this sob is going to know exactly what I feel. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I said, I want you to know something that. This conversation we're about to have, the person that you're talking to um, is very calm and is being kind in a way that you do not deserve. Mm. You do not deserve my kindness. You don't deserve the politeness that you're getting. But I wanted to show you that all the things you deserve, you're not going to get because of the man that I am. Mm. And that man that I am is the way that he is with no help from you. Right. You have, you've had no help in making this person. And I said, I may have your name, but I've made our name great. Whoa. And he said, whoa, I, I don't know why all this hostility. I, I, I don't know what I ever did to deserve this hostility from you. That's laughable. And I said, are you kidding me? Like you were never there. That's what you did. And that's what you didn't do. And he goes, well, then, well, what do you want to do from here? Do you want to meet? I I Mm -hmm. can come up there. You know, we can, we can, we can hook up, we can connect, you know? And, and, and I said, if I want to meet you, I will meet you. And I said, don't you dare try to reach out to me. Don't you dare call my number. Don't you dare come here. And I was like, if you do, if you cross that line, I will kill you. Wow. And he said, okay, okay. Well, no need for that. We'll, we'll figure that out. You know, just let me know. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make something happen. And then he says, 
how's your mom? Oh, babe. And it dawned on me this, this, the biggest wound of my life mm-hmm. at this time, my mom dying, he, he had no idea. He knew nothing about. And I, I just, I, I remember saying, are you kidding me? You don't know. And he says, no, what? And I said, she died almost 10 years ago. Mm. And he, he didn't say sorry. He didn't have any kind of condolences. He was just like, whoa, I did not know that. And so I was done. And I was like, I said, don't come out here. Don't contact me. I'll contact you. And I hung up the phone. Um, praise the Lord for my Uncle Bill and John John because the conversation. What, did hap- what happened like when you hung up? My Uncle Bill handed me a beer. As Uncle Bill would. As he would. Um, And the one thing I remember after that conversation with my dad was John John, who was my grandma's neighbor, who I spent a lot of years with my grandma's. He was always there. And he said, you know, I know your dad wasn't around, but we've always been there for you. Mm. we always had your back. We always had your mom's back. And I still have your back. My Uncle Bill said, I know where he lives. He's up in, he's up in Nunica. He's like, listen. And my Uncle Bill does this thing when he's had a couple of beers where he'll look at you dead in the eyes and he'll put his hand out flat. Like, I am making a point. <laughs> I need you to know you also do that. Not with the, you don't need beers to do it. Perfect. But when awesome. You, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when um, you make a point, that's exactly listen. what you do. But yes. He'll do, but he'll do this thing where he'll he'll bring it he'll bring it back and bring it back out. Bring it back, bring it back out. Michael Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, do too. All right. Whatever. Thanks. I've had many a points made. <laughs> and he goes, "Listen, we'll drive up there without him knowing. We'll get him in the car." We'll take him out in the woods. There's lots of woods out there in Nunica. We'll tie him to a tree. You can do whatever you want to. Oh my gosh, and John and John John goes, no one will ever know. He goes, we'll make sure of that. And I remember like feeling even... this like hate and rage deep down inside me. I'm sure. And then also this like this like support. Mm. You know, like People were rallying behind yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you could have easily led the charge there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Believe me, that was a thought. It was definitely a, a, a thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's still my dad. You know, and that's the thing. And I, uh, like, Isn't that crazy? Like, you've thoughtful. never... Uh, Mike and I talk about this a lot. We have family members, things are happening. And it's just like, no matter what, they're still their parents. They're still their parents. And there's this blind... Support, no matter what. And even to a dad who you don't know, mm-hmm. there's a blind support of, you're still my dad. Mm-hmm. So all you parents out there who think you're failing, you're still their mom. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still their parent. <laughs> you're still their dad. Um, so that that was that. And about a month goes by, I'm delivering pizzas for Papa Romano's in Trenton. And I get a phone call from my Uncle Bill. 
And he's like, hey. He's like, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm delivering pizzas in Flat Rock. And he's like, don't come around here. And he's like, your dad's in town. Was he in town specifically to see you? Mm-hmm. He, uh, he drove. Nudica's like six hours from where we lived. Really? And so he drove. I didn't. You kept saying Nunica, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nunica. Where's um, that? It's, uh, it's northern Michigan. I yeah. yes. But uh, <laughs> so I, man, I I I lost my mind. Uh, I was like, "Are you serious?" And he goes, "Yeah, don't don't come around here." And so I just got filled with a hot rage, and or I called my boss and I said, "Hey, something in my family came up. I'm sorry, I can't work." And I drove. You're like, I'm dropping this pizza off right here, wherever I am. You're like, it's on the street. You can take it to the rest <laughs> no, of the way. <laughs> I already dropped it off. Uh, I drove to my grandma's because that's where he came. And my grandma was like, I told him to get the hell out of here, you know, because he's not welcome here. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my Uncle Bill was like, he's driving a green Chevy 1500. He's got long, he's got long gray hair. And, and a beard. And he's like, you staying at the Best Western. And I grabbed a baseball bat out of the garage. And I went looking for him. And I remember playing it out in my head. What was the playing it out? What were you going to do? Hit him a lot with the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. But I played out what happens after that. Right. And I called him. And he said, well, you said you wanted to meet me, so I came down to meet you. Mind you, I did not say that to him. I specifically told him the exact opposite. Um, and so he's like, I thought, you'd, well, I thought you'd want to meet up. And I said, I told you what would happen if you came around here. And he was like, again, with this hostility. And I said, no judge is going to convict me for when I murder you. Okay. Well, that's some words to be said. And that's what played out in my mind is after I'd bash his brains in, I would be taken in and I would tell the judge, probably a jury, I don't know. That this man, what this man did. Well, what he did was not a killable <laughs> offense. Yeah. Um, In the sight of the law. So I, I went to the Best Western and I went driving on the parking lot looking for his truck and I walked in, you know, and I said, I asked, the, you know, like I needed to see, you know, his room. And I, it's funny because at the time I probably had been like, here's my ID. Look it up. That's my room. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think about that. Praise um, God. I couldn't find him. Again, praise God. Pray, yeah. Um, it's one of those things that, like, now I'm, I'm very grateful for. At the time, I was really determined to take my anger out on this man. Also, let's look at it from your dad's perspective for two minutes. Like, Oh, I've, I have he, literally never done that. So we are literally going to something I've never done before. He, so got this phone call after living his life and I'm I'm for sure not on your dad's side <laughs> by any means but he got this phone call 
for not thinking out you. He's supposedly sterile, so in theory, you're his only kid. Yep. And as far as I know now, I, uh, I am. Yeah. And he gets this call. That, uh, you're, you keep on calling him, so it seems like you really want attention and like want to be known. But then he finally gets to talk to you, and you say, don't come around. But he's basing that off of, like, there's been so many times you're trying to contact me. So then he, out of character, drives six hours for you. He is pursuing you. He is pursuing relationship with you. I have a hard time thinking that it was for me. What do you think it was for? It was for him. And oh. actually... Well, sure. And I mean, and you know, my... My sister, my grandmother, my uncles, they've all said they've all said the same thing that, you know, if if it, if if he was coming to see you, it was something it was for him. It was not for you. What do they mean by that, though? He was like to get something from you. That um, it was going to be beneficial for him and not for me. He was not thinking of my interest. He was thinking of his own, whether that's clarity you know, or peace or, you know, whatever. Um, it wouldn't be to make amends. It would be to make him feel something or to benefit from it, which is what I've been told. I obviously sure. can't know that for sure. Um, well, you could. You could call him. I, but. I probably could. Uh, <laughs> then go in front of a jury and tell him. No. <laughs> no. Um, so that was brutal. That was a very... Uh, devastating time <laughs> and i'm glad you didn't find him see and, and here and here's the thing where god like here's where god is so good in, in retrospect because I, obviously I, I didn't find him nothing happened and, and there, there's a chance where like i could have confronted him i'm an adult he's an adult mm-hmm. i could have been hurt you know like sure there's no telling you know i mean um but i remember like i went back to work and I apologized to my boss, and he asked me what happened, and I, and I so I, I just told him. And he knew my story, and he was just like, "I'm I'm sorry you had to deal with that." Mm. And that was and that was the end, that was the end of it. There wasn't any consequence he was a man or anything. Of short words. He was, but well, Silent. actually, he was very loud and obnoxious. But it was he was a loving. He was a good dad to his mm-hmm. kids, yeah. and so. Um, just one of those many, many few ways. words. That's the <laughs> man of short words. They were short men of stature. short words. Um, Pages of DMs yet again, guys. <laughs> it's a joke. So, I'm an adult now. I'm not going to see my dad. Um, I I decide around that point, like I'm, I'm an adult now, so I'm like working these real jobs, like Papa Romano's. No, I was working for Central Transport working night shift, but like, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. And so I'm exposed to a lot more things. And one thing I'm exposed to is more and more bad dads Mm. because now like you're exposed to men that you're working with who mm -hmm. are not. um, Yeah. And now that my eyes are open to what a good dad is and a bad dad is and a good person and a bad person. And, you know, like I've, I myself am not a good person at this time in my life. Um, I see it and I'm like, I am never getting married. I am never, 
going to have kids. Well, sure. It's easy to not want to get married when everyone is not faithful yeah, around you. It's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, to what point are we doing this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm, life is what it is. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And honestly, like, the biggest thing was, was I don't want to have kids because I am so broken. Mm. And, Whoa. And honestly, I, I don't want to break anybody else. And that hurts. I, I didn't want the hurt. Not even the hurt. I didn't. I, I didn't want to take the chance of having kids, and not being able to be there for them, mm-hmm. and then having somebody else in this world who, who felt what I felt, and hurt how I hurt. And so I just swore it off. Didn't swear off dating, but I just swore off. You were like, I didn't play this to the full end of guys. <laughs> Listen, I'm, not, I'm still gonna play. Let's, but. <laughs> let's, gonna play smart. Um, <laughs> it was so foolish, but also it was the way of me protecting myself. I was about to say it was totally self like protection, and it was like, in a way, like I wasn't protected in this way. So I'm like, by me protecting my quote-unquote, future children from ever having to experience it. I'm also protecting myself. Right. You know, um, all dumb things. So I come back to the Lord, and I get back in life, and, you know, now I'm like mid-20s, and still don't want to have kids, not really interested in getting married, um, but I do want to live a life of serving Jesus and ministry. So I go to Moody Bible Institute, y'all. Wah, 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 wah. Um, and here's, it's crazy. If, if I, if I went to Moody for one thing besides getting married and then having children <laughs> and then meeting the family that I met, <laughs> <laughs> it would be the freedom that I got about my dad. Right. Um, I was, wasn't am dedicated to sharing the gospel with people and I had a teacher, Dan Churchwell, incredible man, uh, in one of my classes say, you know, like, raise your hand if you are here to learn how to present the gospel to people, people can know Jesus better and know Jesus to the fullest. And obviously, at Bible college, everybody raises their hands. And he's like, okay, so I want you to imagine someone who has wronged you, someone who has wronged your family, someone who has wronged your country. Like, think of just an evil, awful person. Now, while you're imagining them, can you imagine you setting aside all the pain and hurt that they've caused and setting that aside to preach the gospel to them? Can you, can you set aside all the hurt that's there and pain that's there and let, letting, letting them know Jesus be more important than those things? Right. And he's like, until you can honestly see yourself doing that, setting aside your hurt and pain towards that person, where what's more important than your hurt and pain is that they know Christ. You'll never be able to fully present the gospel to people and tell people about Christ until you can do that. And I was like... Well, and you'll never really be able to understand Christ's forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was like, well, dang. <laughs> Like, cause who are you picking, babe? Yeah, I know. It's like it's kind of a big hang up here. Um, 
there's this man I actually have fantasized about killing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I was driving up the South Hill in Spokane, Washington, and I was weeping and I was begging God. I was like, I, I can't let this go. Mm. Like, is that like, uh, isn't that just like Satan though? You know, you have this massive, massive chain and you're like, no, but I love this chain. I've decked it out. It has glitters now. It, is it has of, flowers. It is inside my body. My body has part ha- has me, yeah. grown around it. Like this chain is mine, God. This yeah. is mine. And isn't it God like God to be like, hey, I can take it away though. Yeah. And you can walk so free or so much more free. There's one time that. Like, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to himself to know him in a new and deeper way. And I remember being like, but what if Mike doesn't like me? Like, would you, like, like, what if, like, this is who I am. What if I take that away? Maybe we were, like, fresh dating or maybe even married, um, which is kind of, like, not a me thing to say. Mm-hmm. But I just remember being like, but this is who I am. And what if, like, I grow in such a way that Mike doesn't want to be with me anymore because I look more like you. And I was like, wait a second. That's putting Mike first. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> but those change, you know, they like they they feel like part of our identity. Yeah. So to to be cut free from when this. You're, and you're so used to carrying them, to not carrying them is foreign. Oh, so foreign. Yeah. So I'm driving up the hill and I'm crying and I'm angry and... I'm conflicted because I have changed my entire life to come to Bible college, to do something that I was called to do, to be equipped. And I was just told that if I can't get over this, if I can't let this thing go, if I can't find the gospel more important than this huge wound, then it's meaningless. And... I remember asking God, just like, I cannot, I can't do this. I'm so, I hate him. I'm so angry at him. Mm. But you, but he needs you. And so I just, I asked God, I was like, can you, can you take that pain of my dad away? Right. And, and I, it's so dumb. It's... <laughs> Like the the weird memories you have. I was coming around that bend going up the South Hill and uh, right by the church there, and mm-hmm. by that gas station. And right around that bend, God just took it away from me. Mm. It was like, it was like the past 25 years of not having a dad didn't exist. Gosh, isn't he so good and gracious? And I think he shows up like that. Yeah. He shows up like that when you come to him and you're like, you fully understand the weight of how much you just can't do it. And you say to God, I can't. And there's I'm done. And there's something about being like, when, we're, when we are broken as individuals, we try to hold ourselves together as best we can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we say like, hey, I'm broken. I need your help. While we're trying to hold ourselves together mm-hmm. and God will do whatever he wants to. And I believe he will heal even when we're trying to hold ourselves together. But I think he, in, in my experience, 
he works the most when we stop trying to hold ourselves together and we let ourselves just completely crumble. Yeah. I worked with um, a good friend of mine. I really enjoy him. Um, but he said something, and I wish I could remember what he said, but it was so wildly prideful. I was so wildly prideful. And I remember I, I told him, I was like, hey, Tijo, because I know that me and him are both believers. And I said, hey, something that the Lord's been teaching me lately is God opposes the proud. Like God opposes the proud. And I, I said, I love you so much, but like, think about, think about the God of the universe, the God who created all of this, the God that we so deeply love. I said, if I think about him opposing me, the heartache that I feel, like the God that I adore turning his face from me, opposing me, I can't do it. And I said, and I just like, I, in, in all the love that I have, like, please don't, I don't want the Lord to oppose you either. And I think that is why God comes to, I mean, we see it over and over in scripture, the prostitute, the murderer, the... The burdened and... Yeah, the burdened and broken. Like God comes to them because they know they are fully aware of how much they need God. And I, I, I never want to be so full of myself that the Lord says, you can have yourself. I'll go away. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I, I want to be so wide-eyed and open to how desperately broken I am, how much even my greatest deeds are like filthy rags to the Lord, so that the Lord's face never turns from me. Like God can do something so incredible when you give that chain and you say, I can't carry this anymore. Hmm. And he gives you the ability to forgive like that. That's a supernatural forgiveness. Yeah. That's 25 years of heartache and hurt and pain. Yeah. Immediately released. Yeah. That's supernatural. And I I mean, and I'll I'll speak to that. I mean, this this thing that has in in some way, shape or form consumed me played a role in my character building and mm. my emotions and in my relationship building. I mean, like everything. You've grown around this chain. Yeah. Um, the pain was gone mm. and it stayed gone. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still times in my life when I think back about growing up and I see that hole, you know, I see the, I see the missing piece. Um, you know, but I also see where there was so much more, you know, like the men that God put in my life, mm. um, the great men, the men who loved me despite, <laughs> despite the kid I was like, I mean, I just like, I, w- I was not an easy person. Um, still, <laughs> still not. Um, he was one of those extra grace required that are in your youth group. Super extra. Grace I would required. really have loved to see who you were in the youth group. <laughs> Oh, you were probably that kid that like. That's why I avoid. Didn't have social cues. Oh, like no, didn't I, understood. No, I did. Yes, you you would not have understood. Yes, I know. <laughs> nope, I know. I know exactly which youth kid you are. <laughs> I was the kid who would say the inappropriate thing and be like, "What?" You like to push buttons still. Oh, I still do. Yeah, but even then, it was like a shock factor, and it was like 
it was showing that like I'm broken and I'm okay with that. And actually but you weren't. And it and it made me untouchable. But you weren't. But I wasn't. No. I'd wanted someone to hold me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was did. about to say, like, I, that was totally a, like, please come hold me. Um, so, so then, r- literally right after that, probably five months, four months, I meet the buyers who are now my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we use the word spiritual because that's th- the best way to explain it. You know, I was a 24 or five-year-old mm-hmm. needing yeah. a place to stay. <laughs> And they invited me into their home, but they were like, this is not just a place for you to stay. Like, you're part of this family. I had no idea what that meant. Lo and behold, my entire life. Family. family. (laughs) Uh, And we were driving to pick up Ben from Idaho. He's going to college out there. And I told them. Well, they asked me. They were like, tell us about your dad. I was like, that's a question no one ever asked me about. Um, ben is his brother. Yeah, Ben is my brother, yeah. <laughs> um, Bino. Um, so I tell him. I pretty much tell him everything I just told you guys. <laughs> and I get then I get to the great part, which is what God has recently done with my relationship with my dad and the feelings towards him. And my dad goes, it sounds like you need to really pray for him. And I was like, what the hell did you just say to me? <laughs> like, like, listen, I've, I've, I've gotten over the pain <laughs> of this, you know, um, what he's done to me. I've gotten over that. We're good now. Um, but now you like, I didn't even, I didn't even think to pray for this person. And that started. I was like, oh, okay. That's convicting. Like. You know, the pain is gone, So, but now I need to apply the freedom. Mm. And that freedom looks like me praying for my dad. And Gary has challenged me multiple times that one day I should reach out to him and meet him and tell him this story so that... So dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Um... This is dumb. Gary told you to meet up and tell him. Tell him this story. And by sharing what God has done, maybe he would um, um, accept, accept you. Man, that's hard. That's hard. Right. <laughs> I, okay, moving on. No, no, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I have cried so many times on this podcast. Uh, Your turn. Man, uh, the thought, the thought of this, uh, <laughs> the thought of this man, um, coming to know Jesus would be, uh, <laughs> gosh, okay. Um, the thought of him coming to know Jesus would be, uh, a hard one, but also, you know, um, if he, if God can take away the pain that he's caused in me, then he can take away the pain that my dad has mm-hmm. from his life that he's had to live. And, you know, the the choices that he made 
were like the choices I made. I made a lot of my choices based on hurt and based on how I felt about myself. And he did the same thing. He made a lot of choices based on how he feels. And I wonder what kind of choices he would make or would have made if he'd known the grace of Jesus. So, who knows? Maybe there's another podcast uh, sometime from now where we just <laughs> we talk about this again. <laughs> so, what has forgiving your dad? What has that given you? Oh, joy. Um, it's uh, given me a light, a, a lightheartedness and a tenderness. That I refused to have before. What was there before? Uh, jadedness and protection. Self-protection. So God exchanged jaded protection of yourself for joy. And freedom. Mm-hmm. And carefreeness. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's been, I mean, the instant transformation, my freshman year at Moody, um, was there. Right. But. Was that class your freshman year? uh Mm. It's given me the freedom then to be a dad. Right. I, uh. I have no fear of being a dad now. Mm-mm. And it wasn't like, no, well, now I want to be a dad. It was like, I just, that, that, that hesitation went away. It, it wasn't replaced with like a deep desire to be a father, but the hesitation was sure. ta- went away. I'm glad you and God worked that out before I came along. Yeah, me too. Cause it would have been, <laughs> it would have been a deal breaker. It, would have been had a, you it, it really would have been. Um, I was going to have three kids. Girl, boy, girl. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, oh, this it's stupid. Like I, it would be so, now I feel s- sad for my dad. Mm. Where and I guess this is not. feel anger. Pissed. Right. <laughs> Just um, rage. You yeah. now feel sadness. Um. For him or for about him. him? For him. Mm. Um, the sweetest thing in the world to me is being a dad. And it's like, (laughs) man, what your rage was making you miss out on. Right. Like you were so blinded by that chain, but you couldn't have imagined being a dad. Oh no. Cause it was all hell. And look at, and like the freedom of giving that up opened you up to the blessing Mm -hmm. that has brought you the most joy in your life. Like I, I'm secure in our marriage. Like we're great. Yeah. But you love being a dad probably more than you love being a husband. I love you. I know you do. But our, ki- <laughs> but our kids love me. <laughs> they love me for me. <laughs> not because. Uh, so D- D- Daniel Ward, our, my best friend of all time. <laughs> that was the 
the that was the dean of students I, at our I college. I literally have his his por- his profile picture tattooed on my. Could leg. you please get a profile? I'll do it. I'll of do it right now. On your upper thigh. Listen, guys, you want to you want to <laughs> Venmo me some money? I will get that tattoo of Dean Ward. Our Patreon's um, gonna be set up. <laughs> listen, um, but he told me before I married Paige, he, you know, I said, "What's it like being a dad?" Because that's another man that God put in my life to show me what it's like to be a dad. And he said... And a good man. And a great man. Although he told you not to marry me, but that's no, fine. No, he, he, he said hesitation. <laughs> it was not a... Not, I not wouldn't do be it. submissive, remember? <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, Hold on. How's that working out for you? How, how's that working out it's for you? It's been a struggle. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not been a struggle. I'm joking. You have been very submissive. I have been incredible you have to been. you. You have been incredible to me. Thank you. But he told me, <laughs> now submit. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> we'll edit that out. No, I'm joking. No, uh, he said, he goes, he goes the, the, the love that you and your wife have is intoxicating and it's incredible. And he's like, but it's a love that is earned, c- constantly balancing and like going back and forth. And it's earned. You know, like I had to get this person to fall in love with me. I need to keep them in love with me. They need to keep them in love with me. Like, you know, like me in love with them. Like it's work. Mm -hmm. And he's like, your children will in such a natural way love you with so much ferocity and passion. And like, and you're like, I don't deserve any of this. Right. Like, and they're just giving it to me. And it's like. They also take incessantly. They do. They do. But man, let me tell you, like tonight, we, we had movie night and we were sitting there and like all three of my kids, because baby's still too young to know it, even though she knows she, knows she wants it. <laughs> like they, they, they're, I'm sitting in my chair and they're all in the chair with me and it's like, I can't breathe. But I would love, I, I, if I'm going to die, it's going to die that way. <laughs> Being smothered by my children. Um, I'm so grateful that I don't have dad hurt anymore. Mm. Um, so where I am now with my dad. So me and Gary, we have a great relationship. I love that man. He is an example of a man and of a father and a husband. Mm. Um, gosh, I'm so blessed by that man. Uh, I'm blessed by my brother-in-law, Casey, who is an incredible dad, an incredible husband, and an incredible brother to me mm-hmm. who has taught me so much just by example. Right. Which is, speaks volumes of the, that man's character. Well, and he's given everything that he could to you. He has literally given everything. Starting at age. I think I stole him a couple thousand dollars. 25, oh my yeah. gosh. He flat out told me, he's like, you know all that money you owe me? We're good. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but where I am with Michael Anthony Guzman Sr., we are friends on Facebook because <laughs> that's what you do. Um, we have never spoken again. Um, we've never met. I've never, I've never seen the man. Um, I did one time reach out to a bunch of people that were friends with him and that like were like ran in that same crowd and it was just like throwing a big net to like see people like because I have family out there on the Guzman side 
that I've never met. And now I'm friends with... Uh, what if they I'm, pronounce it a different way? What if a, it's Guzman? It's Guzman. <laughs> Guzman. But like some friends with cousins that I have that I've never met. Um, and who knows? Who knows what will happen? I, 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 I'm, 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 here's what's really dumb is I plan on telling this stupid story today and now I'm feeling these conflicted feelings. So now I got to go and process this crap. Conflicted or conviction? Either way. (laughs) What's that t-shirt that those buff guys wear? Affliction? I feel afflicted. (laughs) (laughs) I feel afflicted by this right now. Um, So who knows, guys? There might be another story later on of something stupid that's going to happen, but it'll also be really great. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, I do know this, that... I don't fear rejection from him. Uh, I don't fear him. I pray for him. And if I had the opportunity, I would probably share the gospel with him because him knowing Jesus is more important than what he has done or what he will do to me or to other people. And I have forgiven him. And... mm. Isn't that so good? Like, isn't that so good and gracious and great of God to do such a holy exchange in your life? Yeah. Like, the gift is that you forgave him. The blessing is the chain falling off, the freedom, the enjoyment of your children, the life that you're living right now. So while you were talking, I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me, let's start, let's pray on the podcast for those people who are struggling to forgive. I know as Mike was telling the story, there are probably tons of you who are thinking about the person that would be the hardest for you to forgive, the person that has (laughs) done you so dirty in your, your lives. I think we all have someone who just hurts to think about, um, So I want to pray. I want to lead you guys in a prayer. This is Uh, weird, but maybe, maybe not. Um, But I just want to lead you guys in how in praying for those people or person who just hurt you. Lord God, we love you, and we want to model our lives after how you told us to model our lives after how you lived your life when you were here. And Lord God, you showed us how to forgive. You showed us how to love perfectly. And so God, we, we pray for these people who have so deeply wounded us. Lord, we say their name in our heart right now with a lot of grumbling, <laughs> with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. But Lord God, You forgave us. In my pride, I think that I'm a great human, but I'm not. I'm nowhere near it. And you forgave me. Lord God, you are so good and gracious to forgive me. And my, my pain against you caused your death. And these people who have so greatly wounded us, we're not dead. There's parts of us that emotionally are dead. We're not dead. We're not dead because we have you. We're also not dead because 
their, their pain wasn't nearly as painful as our pain towards you. And so, God, if you can forgive us, I also know that you can give us the strength to forgive others. So, Lord, first we give you the pain that they've caused us. And we ask you, Lord, would you please take it away from us? Would you please, as we scrape it off our hands and we let it fall at your feet, would you please have that pain? And God, I don't ever want to touch it again. And as the pain comes up, Lord, would I be so quick to throw it right back at your feet? And as it comes up again, would I be so quick to just throw that back at your feet? And can we keep doing that over and over again? Lord God, to you, to your glory, would you please take the pain? And Lord Jesus, we give you the person who has hurt us so bad as we are saying their names in our heart. Would you please give us the ability to forgive them? Right now we declare it, we're forgiven them. Lord, and as we think up of instances, as we go apart our days and we, we think of something that they did that hurt us, God, we give that over to you. We don't want to carry that. We don't want that chain over us. Would you please break that chain? Would you please let us get free from it? Would you let us stretch our arms out wide and hold you and hold the forgiveness that you gave us? Can we extend that to other people? And God, maybe the hardest prayer of all, Lord, we ask this person who has hurt us so bad, would you please help them to come to know you? Would you open up their eyes? Would you unveil their eyes to you? Help them to see how much they desperately need you because we all desperately need you. You are the one who designed this life and then until we are walking in according to how you want us to walk, there's no fulfillment, there's no joy, not true joy anyways. There's no true life. So Lord God, We give you these people. We give them over to you. We ask that they would please know you and that their lives would be a Saul to Paul conversion. God, would you please do a mighty work? You love to take us wretched humans and make us saints. Lord, we love you and we we want this all for you. For your glory, God, for their good. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys, for joining us. <laughs> I know this is such an interesting road we live in. Sorry, I cried like a baby. Um, you know, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful that we get to do life with you guys. Even as it's <laughs> on this podcast and we're scattered among the world. Um, we pray over you guys that you would have a life-altering experience this week with forgiveness. We pray that this week you will know God in a new and real way that just transforms your life. So, and tell your if your dad's still with you, give him a hug for Mike. <laughs> The first time I ever got to hug my dad, mm. I was 24. It's it, a boy. And it was, yeah. 
he met me and he called his wife and he's he's like, well, it's a boy. And he invited <laughs> me into their family. I encourage you to make up for the 24 years that I didn't have. Mm. Thank we all dad. have daddy wounds. Thanks your, th- thank your dad. My kids will not. Mm-hmm. I, I will bleed my hands raw and I will die before my children have daddy hurt. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Didn't know that was no. something I could step on. <laughs> well, guys, anyway, so this is laugh so you don't cry. <laughs> we'll see you next time, y'all. <laughs>